Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood, the podcast where we ask, what if George R. R. Martin's Fire and Blood were told more like HBO's show, House of the Dragon? Hello and welcome to House of Fire and Blood. My name is Caroline, I use she, her pronouns, and I'm here with Gretchen. Uh, hi everyone, this is Gretchen, and I use they, them pronouns. You sounded unsure for a second there. You remember your your name there? <laughs> oh, it's, it's been, I've been it's reading been so many names, I have forgotten my own. <laughs> yes, we are reading, um, we are, if you guys are joining us again, welcome back. We are continuing our read-through of the chapter The Long Range of Harris and Alisanne. Uh, we are uh, in part two of that, and we started this section. Um, 283, bottom of page 283. Bottom of page 283, starting with the paragraph, the old year ended and the new year began. And we read through page 295, ending on, uh, he bound the land together and made of seven kingdoms one. <laughs> the words on the plinth of the old king's monument in the stands of the of Old Town. Why are you laughing, Gretchen? Why do you laugh <laughs> at the concept that Jaharis brought the realm together. What about that is entertaining to you? <laughs> it's the seven part that's entertaining to me. Oh, yes. Because it's, like, it's, it's like he built roads from Storm's End to the Wall and united the seven kingdoms. I'm like, I think you're forgetting one. What about Dorn? That, Remember, that the Dorn? Remember the Dorn? Remember the Dorn? The fucking Prince of Dorn is like, what about us? <laughs> No, the fucking Prince of Dorne's like, yes, yes, yes seven kingdoms. Oh, you seven. have seven kingdoms up there. Just don't worry about us doing our yeah. own thing down here. Yeah, do, do, do. exactly. Good for Dorne. <laughs> They're staying out of shit. Truly, truly good for them. All right, so let's talk about our high-level summary. Um, this section begins with one of the saddest things that happens <gasps> in this book. Oh, it's like it's it's so well delivered the too. The saddest so guys... three words that Martin has ever written. Just Ooh. oh god. Uh, so if you guys remember last time we were talking about the shivers, which was ravaging through Westeros and killing just like a whole bunch of people, mm-hmm. and you know the king bars the gates, whatever, and they're like you know hanging out inside the Red Keep, and then in the middle of the night, Princess Daenerys, the oldest child of Jaehaerys and Alysanne, comes and wakes her mother up and says, "Mother, I'm cold." And within a day and a half, day and she's a half. dead. Yeah, yeah. She was seven or six. Six years six old. Yeah. It's just the gut wrenching oh. scene because we spent you spend like ten pages talking about everyone who's dying and like Martin like really thoroughly describes. I mean, this is really masterfully written so that mm. this like tiny little paragraph hits like hits the most painfully because he spent pages yeah. talking about everyone dying. And describing the disease and how it starts with the feeling cold. And mm-hmm. so, like, all it takes is Daenerys saying, mother, I'm cold. And you're like, oh, no. Oh, no. Yeah. And, yeah. It's that it's that imminency of death kind of thing. That, like, the, you know oh, that God. this is, you know, what the death rate was, what, four out of five? It was, like, an 80% yeah, death rate for people really that got high. it. So they try everything, obviously, to save her, and nothing works because this is just a very extremely deadly disease. But Caroline, I and, thought Targs uh, could not get sick. Well, so they, Jaehaerys <laughs> and Alysan are kind of like, huh, we're a little confused because aren't we magic? Yeah. And that's definitely an interesting question. Well, maybe the shivers is magic. 
<gasps> maybe the show, maybe the show's just magic. We'll talk about <laughs> we'll it. Talk about it. <laughs> One of the things I do want to highlight here is the Maester lists a bunch of diseases that Targaryens have historically not succumbed to, mm-hmm. and I want to talk about that more in analysis. Okay, of like whether that whether that's true and if it's true, what that could mean. Because mm-hmm. uh, I think there's lots of just regular science explanations to for these things. Um, so then once the shivers and all that is done, Jaharis hires a bunch of people. A bunch of people to died. Replace. He's got to replace like half yeah. his cabinet. Mm-hmm. And he gets a really smart master of coin. Yeah. Or not. <laughs> he's a very dumb master of coin with a very smart wife. <laughs> I love how the text just basically acknowledges that like they want the, the Tyrell because his wife is a Fossaway and she could do math. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's a really dumb explanation for why she can do math. They're like, I bet she counts apples. I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, the apple is a sigil. I, 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 whatever. Whatever. These are, these are not big brain kind of people. I mean, she okay, clearly can do math, but it's not because her sigil is an apple and like she hangs out in an orchard counting them. I don't know. Well, it can't, it can't be because she's really smart, Gretchen. She's a girl. Girls can't be smart. <laughs> God. <laughs> There's got to be a but reason. I like, I like how Jaharis is like, oh, Alison would like that. She likes clever women. Like, yes, Jaharis, good job. Husband of the year. Yay. Thinking about things your wife might enjoy. Uh-huh. Good job. Uh, th- They got a new maester, too, who's very sassy. I love Elisar. Mm, yep. He's he's fantastic. No notes about him. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Alyssa is bored and she's not like other girls. She's definitely not like other girls. <laughs> There's this amazing passage. Wait, I want to find it where they talk about how she behaves. Yeah, this um, is child number five if you're counting. And you should be counting because there's going to be should. a lot in this oh section and the next. There's just like, this is the like, Alisanne keeps having babies. Oh my God. Get off of her, Jaharis. Jesus. Yeah. Um, She's got shit to like, do. Yeah. I like on page 287, the la- the second to last full, or the last full paragraph um, in the middle, it says, the princess, uh, meaning Alyssa, did not act like a girl, however. She wore boys' clothes when she could, shunned the company of other girls, preferred riding and climbing and dueling with wooden swords to sewing and reading and singing, and refused to eat porridge. That's my favorite part <laughs> is the end that she refused to eat porridge. I didn't know that was a gendered activity, but right. apparently... <laughs> apparently that's what girls do. Girls eat What is porridge. gender? Por- eating porridge is apparently gender. What's <laughs> <laughs> just eating porridge is gender? Good lord. <laughs> Um, I feel like we're yes. gonna have to start um, mentioning what years we're in because this because this section like, mm-hmm. like it it helps keep track. So this is we are in sixty one AC, folks. We are sixty one years post conquest. Um, yes, these years are gonna start because like this this like things are gonna start getting really condensed. Rather than spending like ten pages right. on like six months, we're gonna start spending like ten pages, and it's like eight years. And we've talked about some of these years before in other mm-hmm. plot lines, like Queen Reina. Yep. Not Queen. I'm sorry. Princess Reina had no Queen Reina. Well, Queen Reina. Yeah. Queen. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I had I, I had a lapse of judgment there. Queen Reina. Um, she died in '62. So like while these kids are all being born, she's in Harrenhal living her best life. Mm-hmm. Um. So, like, things like that are happening simultaneously that were, were talked about in previous chapters. So, it does, like, timeline-wise, it gets a little confusing. So, yeah, we should mention the years. Um, so, 61 I see is when Alyssa is born. Yep. Baby number five. And then and then our good friend Rogar comes back. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Rogar comes back and he's very, um, 
the shivers haven't been nice to him. He's very like mm. gaunt and grizzled. Um, and despite, you know, the appearance of a gruff, grizzled dad, he is not a girl dad. Um, no. And is like, hey, I have a daughter and two nieces, and I don't really know what to do with them. Can can y'all yeah. take care of these girls? Yeah. But we get Jocelyn Baratheon. Yes. Who I always liked. I always liked the Jocelyn Baratheon character. So if you guys remember, she was Queen Alyssa's last child. She was the child that was born when Queen Alyssa died in childbirth. Mm-hmm. And so she is half Valerian, I suppose, because of Alyssa, and half Baratheon. And she's described as being, like, very tall with long dark hair um, and dark eyes. Mm-hmm. And she's technically the king and queen's half-sister. Yes. And she's 16 when she comes to King's Landing. No, she's seven. No, she's 16. She's seven years I'm old. I'm pretty sure. No. Yep. Wait, we can answer this question. No, she's no because she gets engaged shortly thereafter. No, because it's because the years jump around. Oh, you're right. I'm sorry. Seventh. Yeah. That makes sense. I got confused with ages earlier, too, because they mentioned Amon being seven, and then I got confused. Yeah. Okay, yeah. Seventh name day. My bad. Yeah, she's, um, yeah, she's seven. Um, Amon is six. She's a year older than Amon. Oh, so she really, so Rogar really says, I don't want this one. Yeah, <laughs> please, yeah. Please take it away. Yeah, Rogar really says, I cannot keep raising this seven-year-old child. And, like, I don't know what girls do. Yeah, <laughs> and, it, and however old the other two girls are. Because it's like, two of yeah. like his brother died and left like, mm-hmm. some daughters. And so he was like... He says, he says, these girls can't help me with my treason, so I'm going to give them to you. <laughs> right, right. I'm getting old. It's too old for me to do a treason. So, like, yeah. what do I do with kids that are not my heir? Um, so, yeah. Um, they now and get his- to live at court. Yes. And his brother is doing something in Dorne with the Vulture King? Yeah. So I think if if we recall back when um back when Rogar was like punished for doing a treason, his siblings were also punished because they were involved with the, the incident right. at the end of the crossroads. Right. And so one mm-hmm. of them like goes across the narrow sea. Or like one of them like stays and hangs out and accepts punishment. And I think Boris is the one who like goes to across the narrow sea for a while. And then, like, comes back and is now hanging out with, like, the new Vulture King in the Red mm-hmm. Mountains of Dorne and, like, pillaging people, robbing people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Rogar's like, I want to die like a real man, so mm-hmm. I'm going to go fight my brother in the mountains and, yeah, ho- and hopefully get killed. Yeah. I'm going to die with an axe in my hand. Um, and... And take out this vulture king and Jaharis is like fuck yeah let's go yeah yeah and they call this the third dornish war and it's like dorn dorn is not involved why are you bringing dorn into this i guess i guess because it takes place i was thinking about that i think it takes place in dorn like it's geographically a dornish war it's not a politically dornish war yeah i just think that they also yeah. don't like dornish people that there's why would you say that Gretchen? <laughs> I, I, there's nothing in this text that suggests that they're racist about the dornish i don't know what what <laughs> What evidence do you have? I feel like this is part of evidence. It's like we're having yes, we are fighting the Dornish, and it's just like some dudes who happen to. And live they're in Dorn. always winning. They always win the Dornish wars. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dorn is not in the Seven Kingdoms. Yeah. Yeah. Meanwhile, Dorn is not in the Seven Kingdoms. It's just doing its own thing, not involved. It's like, why are you bringing me into this? This is just two dude, two brothers fighting against each other. What, what exactly. am I doing here? 
Oh, uh, what I love is that during this, so Jaharis goes on Vermithor and is like flying or whatever. And there's this fantastic quote from Jaharis in the middle of page 289 where he's talking about the vulture kitty. He goes, he calls himself a vulture, but he does not fly. He hides. He should call himself the gopher. <laughs> <laughs> Jaharis fucking spitting bars over here about the vulture yeah. kitty. <laughs> he's so dramatic. Oh, <laughs> and I like the idea that he delivered it in like a really serious way. Oh, he absolutely he did. Sh- he should call himself call a himself gopher. A and I'm like, gopher. And like, meanwhile, I'm over here being like, okay, <laughs> good you job, know he only, You know, he only said that once he was like indoor and Alisan was not around because if she heard that shit, she would roast him forever. Yes. She would never yep. stop roasting him. Yep. Uh, how was the gopher king? <laughs> uh-huh. <laughs> fantastic i love that for him um Um, so yeah jaharis uh kills boris baratheon yep there's a really cool picture of it too in the text if you guys have the the book yep yeah and he and he gets a really good reputation for this um because being involved in this dornish war scare quotes and killing boris baratheon means that he is very cool and very martial and not at all like his dad Anies. Not at all like his dad, yeah. Not, not we, like we, his dad. Five kids in and like over a decade into ruling and we're finally certain that he's not like his dad. Cool, cool. Because he killed someone. We're, Congratulations. Because he killed someone. Well, and you know, he says he it made him feel better to do the Jordan Shore because he felt like he could actually do something because uh, violence makes you feel good in the patriarchy if you're a man. Yeah, So yeah. Yeah, it's all good. So Rogar kills the Vulture King, but doesn't himself get injured or whatever. He dies in his bed six months later, with surrounded by his family. Mm-hmm. Good, good for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we go back to King's Landing, and uh, <laughs> I like your note here. Did you know the seven-year-old prince is very handsome? <laughs> <laughs> we need leave children alone, damn it! <laughs> Please. Yeah, yeah. The like the like the text is literally. Oh my gosh! Like I just have to read this. Prince Eamon was seven years of age, a boy as tall and handsome as he was modest. I'm like, he's a child! A literal child! A seven-year-old is in first grade. You're calling a first grader handsome? That's really weird! first grader! That's so fucking weird! Please stop! Leave the children alone! Please, God, leave the children alone. (sighs) Um, that's gonna- that's gonna be in- that, that's a theme. Leave okay. the children Please alone. Please leave the children alone. <laughs> leave the royal family children alone. They should not be sexualized yeah. before their time. Uh, alas, here we are. Anyway, um, yeah, we got also got baby number six. Closing out this section yep. with baby number six in 62 AC. So a year later, mm-hmm. one year She's later. pregnant a lot. Just another baby. Allison is pregnant a lot. Yep. Maygill. Yep, Maygill. Uh, well, the other thing, too, is that, like, I think the text mention- mentions that, like, two months after Daenerys dies, Alysanne realizes she's pregnant again. Yep. And I really hope, because we don't know how early they could detect pregnancy mm-hmm. in this universe, because, like, I guess, like, if Alysanne has, like, a regular, like, very regular cycle or whatever, you could detect it pretty early. But if she's consistently having children, she probably does not yep. have a very regular period. So... I'm hopeful that she was pregnant before Daenerys died mm-hmm. and it wasn't like our kid died, let's fuck a lot, you know? Yep. Like, because that would be weird. Uh huh. Yeah. But yeah, Jaharis, sweetie, just like, you know, take a break. Yeah. Yeah. Take, go build Go build something. Go get a project. <laughs> speaking of, speaking of, he does <laughs> get a new project. 
And it's Rose. Oh, I love this scene, too. Oh, wait, as I have to read this fucking line. Um, they, this is about him talking about building Rose. Oh, okay. So this is on page 292, the, the last full paragraph. Um, he talks about how when he goes flying, he sees all these things, but he doesn't see Rose. So he says, um, there's much more to see in the Seven Kingdom of ours. Do you know what I do not see? And then the quote ends and it says, the king slaps the table hard. Rhodes, my lords, I do not see Rhodes. And I try to imagine that, like, of him, like, trying to be tough and, like, bang the table and be like, we need Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> and everyone being like, yes, Jaharis, we need Rhodes. Uh-huh. You don't need to be macho masculine about it. You could just tell us to make Rhodes and we will. <laughs> right. That he, yeah, he's got to be, like, really you know, aggressive about the roads. He's strong. Yeah. He's strong. Roads must build them. Mm-hmm. Big, strong yeah. man. Build roads. He is. He's the big, strong man. He begins to build... Uh, I mean, this is partially, like, Martin needed some king to do this because yeah. the roads exist in a Song of Ice and Fire proper, right? Uh-huh. So, Jaharis is the one that's like, let's make all the roads. So he makes, like, the king's road and all, you know, the various roads. Yeah, the road um, road and the ocean road and then... All and the he ties ones. the realm. He ties the realm together, Gretchen. All seven kingdoms into one. Yep, all seven. All yep. seven. All seven. I just really enjoy that. Like, there's this long description of like, you know, from the storm. Like he 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 made from from storm's end a king's landing, and then like, and it describes all of the roads that he builds, and then ends it with and unites the seven kingdoms. And I'm like, what about Dorne? There's Dorne. There's no road to Dorne. There's no Dorne. You know what it is, Gretchen? None of them could count because they're not fossilways. They weren't counting apples all their life. Right. They, they don't know. They don't know. They thought it was seven. Yeah. They, they just they couldn't do it. Uh-huh. But they needed to bring their smart wives around to count the kingdoms. <laughs> oh. Speaking of, that's one of the first things in our analysis section of what was the maester thinking. Oh, yes. That, um, this is just one of those really explicit passages that, like, where you can tell that, like, well, we gotta have dudes. We gotta have a dude. Dude's we gotta, gotta be you in gotta, charge. You can't do anything unless you have a penis. Right. I, what? What's so hard to understand? Like, I don't see the problem. We can't just hire Florence Fossaway to be the master of coin. We Ugh. we can't do that. So I we want will hire so her dumb husband, and she's gonna do all the work anyway. Yeah. And it really upsets I, me. I, that's, that's the kind of adaptation that I would love. Like, if you were adapting Jaharis and Alisande's reign, like, the conversation that Florence Fostery must have had with Alisande mm-hmm. when she got to King's oh, Landing. Yeah. Oh, Can you imagine scripting that? Uh-huh. Oh, my God. Right. Like, and talking about how, like, like being the brains behind the operation, basically. Mm-hmm. And Alisande, like, revealing to her that that's been what's happening. Right. This whole time. Uh-huh. You know? Yeah. Oh. I like if I, I were that. if I were adapting this, I would actually make Florence Alisanne's idea and have a com- that, like a very se- oh, like a yeah. conversation where where you know, like Jaharis is like, I gotta hire all these people and I don't know who to mm-hmm. hire and Alisanne's like You could hire Florence Fossaway. Because you know what? Alisanne would be more likely to know. Yep. about Florence mm-hmm. because like of women communicating with each other. Uh-huh. Then Jaharis would be. Yep. Yeah, and I like the idea yeah. like and I I would I would create a scene in which like what happens at the small council is like what Jaharis decides to do. 
that she's like, you could just like hire Florence. And he's like, but but the lady. And she's like, you're the the king. You can do whatever Mm -hmm. the fuck you want. Hire Florence. Mm -hmm. And he's like, oh, I'll think about it. And then he goes into the small council and is like, let's hire the dumb dude with the smart wife. Right, she'll come too. Yeah, she'll come too, and then like, which is a big, a big assumption because lords don't always bring their wives and families with them. Right. So I wonder if Jaharis also having a conversation with the dumb dude, being like, "You can have this job, but only if Florence comes." Right. Yeah. You know, like, like you know, being. It like, would be all really great if your wife came because she, my wife is very sad because our child just died, and you know, they would be really good friends. Mm-hmm. Bring your. And it's the kind of thing I think that would add to what we're seeing is this growing tension yes in this section and moving forward of between Jaharis and Allison and their understandings of gender and power mm-hmm. and the fact that Jaharis has clearly fully drunk the Kool-Aid of like men have to rule yep and the first problem they had was the Daenerys problem that conveniently solved itself for him uh-huh. so now his oldest is a Aemon Aegon Aemon Aemon uh, yep Aemon yeah they all have the fucking same name um <laughs> <laughs> they do. There I love the Targaryens. There are only ten Targaryen names. Yeah, I love them. But there's too many. The only reason you know that there are more than ten is because Jaehaerys and Alysanne have a bunch of kids, and they like have the. I like the idea that they're like running out of ideas after they had five kids. They're like, oh shit, there are only like ten Targaryen names. Yeah, and you kind of used them all. What the fuck? Uh oh. Uh oh. We got a name. Ma- we got a Mago. Oh, a Winter Princess. How about Gale? <laughs> they. V- Valerion? Valerion? Sarah. Sarah, yeah. Anyway. And then after Sarah, they're like, Vi Sarah. Yeah. They truly are running out of names. Yep. But the Daenerys problem kind of solved itself for him. Yep. Um, and, uh, but, like, it's clear that, like, Alysanne's, like, of the belief that the oldest should inherit, mm-hmm. even though Alysanne, sweetie, your fucking sister Raina didn't inherit. God damn it. Um, mm-hmm. and, and, and so I think this asks, this would be an interesting tension if you were adapting this to the screen, because you could have Alysanne be like, let's hire Florence. And Jaharis could be like, that's actually a good idea. She's a smarty pants. But then he could go to the council and hi- mm-hmm. hire the husband. Yep. Yep. And Alison can be like, what the fuck? Yeah. I didn't say hire the husband. I said hire. And he could be like, but, but it's a small count. There can't be women on the small council. We don't, we don't do that. Right. Right. You know? There's a law that women can't be on the small council. No law yeah. exists. Yeah. Uh, so we're so making we're, it now. They fucking it. pull out some parchment. They're writing it down real quick. <laughs> Only men on the small council. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I like, yes, that's, that's what I was thinking that like, this would be another point of tension that like, there's this increasing tension between the two of them that happens in mm-hmm. these small little ways of like right she's trying to promote women and he's like no 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 sweetie mm-hmm. women can't have power yeah. he's like women are great when they're like behind the scenes mm-hmm. right like i like i value your input when you can help me look awesome yeah yeah yeah, yeah. but and like i just i i go back i go back to that scene in old town when they like when they first went down to old town to push the incest thing and Jaharis landed in the courtyard and Alison landed on the high tower. Uh-huh. 
And I feel like that's just so like emblematic as like a like that moment as like a microcosm of like their whole relationship. Yeah. Where like she is the one who has like the good ideas. He doesn't have bad ideas. Jaharis is not a bad guy at all. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a, like a good dude. He seems to have good intentions. He's got some issues with his kids down the line because I think he's a little bit of a prude and he has some trouble with sex shit. But um he's not a bad guy at all. But Allison is just equally as good if not better than him at the politicking Mm -hmm. and her landing on top of the high tower however helped push how strong he is yeah it didn't help push how strong she is Mm -hmm. even though she's the one that did it and that's because of the patriarchy yeah you know like all of the thing all the benefits she gives are go through him you know like they can't like she can't get her own you know, clout. She to an extent she can when it comes to like marriages and parties and the good queen is charming and that kind of stuff. But like when it comes to power, uh-huh. she can't get her own clout. It only goes through him. And I, that's the uh, the big bias in this section is like it needs to be the man ruling. Yep. Yeah. You know, it need it needs to be through the guy. Yeah. yeah. Like men need to be the one visibly holding power, even if they are not the one doing the work. Right. Right. Right, and what's happening with um, Florence Fossaway and her dumb husband is just like an extreme example of what we're actually seeing with Jaharis and Alisan, right? That like, mm-hmm. we've seen enough examples that to indicate that like, while Jaharis doesn't have bad ideas, like, Alisan has better ones. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Right, like he- 100%. Like, Jaharis is not like a dumb, like he's not a dumb baby who cannot make choices. Like he's not that mm. bad. He's not like a drunker, you know. Like he's not as bad as 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 it sounds. Like Martell is, um, mm. or not Martell, the Tyrell, the Tyrell guy. Is it Martin? I think it's Martin Tyrell. Martin Tyrell, yeah. Which is why it came out Martell. So Martin Tyrell yeah. is like, like in the like is described as being like, well, he's stupid. Like this guy does. Like this guy can't. We can't hire this guy as master of coin. He's really dumb. Um, mm-hmm. In a in a like a section that I find really amusing, um, because it's um, it's like one of his liege lords. Um, uh, oh yeah, Lord Redwine is like the Tyrells are dolts. I'm sorry, yes. Your Grace. They are my liege lords, but the Tyrells are dolts, and Lord Bertrand was a sot. Um, and then Septon Bartha's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lord Bertrand is dead. So, like, we don't have to worry about what he did, how much wine he drank. Um, mm-hmm. Like, Martin is young and eager, but I will not vouch for the quality of his wits. His wife, however, is a Fossaway mm-hmm. girl, the Lady Florence, who has been counting apples since she learned to walk. Wow, whatever. Counting apples. Sure. Like. Yeah. But, like, even, even, like, one of, like, his liege lords is like, are you sure? I mean, this guy's not that bright. Um, and like, that's kind of funny until you realize that like, this is just a microcosm of like, what's happening with Jaharis and Alisan. Like again, Jaharis, right. not as dumb as Martin Tyrell, but a similar thing is happening where like, he has to be the one visibly in power, even though Alisan is the one making, or like we have seen consistently making very good decisions that then he gets credit for. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think it's in this section where they mention, like, they start talking about the construction. I, f- I forget if it's this section or the last one. Um, and they mention that he built, like, cisterns and wells in King's Landing. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, well, 
Alison made you do that. Yeah. Yeah, that was last session. She, the queen's yeah, fountain. You, you she were, was the one who was like, would you like yeah. to drink the dirty water? Right. You're not, you, you weren't going to do that. You, you were like, whatever, they can drink fucking brown water. I don't give a shit. I'm the king. She made you do that. Uh-huh. That was not, he, he, he made, you know, fresh water. It's like, no, she did. And at least the small folks seem to recognize things that Qu- Queen Alison does. Uh-huh. Um, more so than the maester's mm-hmm. point of view. Because they will name things like Queen Alison's fountains. Right. You know, they call her the good queen. Yeah. They, like the, the small folks seem to kind of know a bit more what's up. Yeah, the small folk call the them maester. the queen's laws. Even right. if the maesters are like, sure, sure, but we all know queens can't make laws. Right, exactly. That's actually really interesting. We should keep tabs on that. I hadn't thought about that before, that the small folk yeah. have less patriarchy brain mm-hmm. than the lords do. <clears throat> and I wonder if that's because they as a collective are, are are victims of the patriarchy, of this feudalistic patriarchy as well. Yeah, yeah. And like, the, you know, this level of repression of women... Um, I think both in this setting and kind of historically um, mm-hmm. has often been more deeply entrenched in like the aristocracy and wealthy mm. classes. Because like when you're a peasant, gendered labor doesn't make sense. Like yeah. a gender division of labor doesn't make sense if you're a peasant and you're just trying to survive. Like mm-hmm. if if you're a peasant who like doesn't make any money, like barely has enough food to eat, like you're not going to go to your wife and be like, don't help me work in the fields. That's man's labor. Mm-hmm. Go home and nurse a baby. Like mm-hmm. you're going to take whatever help you can get. Like exactly. Yeah. Patriarchy is very often more deeply entrenched when there's more wealth because mm-hmm. wealth provides space for a division of labor in this way. Um, mm-hmm. means that women can be sidelined to domestic work in a way that, like, they're not required to support in manual labor the way that they mm-hmm. are when you don't have enough money. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's like, like, um, it, like, doesn't surprise me that, like, the, the small folk are like, yeah, the lady did it. She, mm-hmm. like, I watched her do it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I saw it with my eyeballs. <laughs> I went... I went to the women's court and she listened to me and there's now a law about how you shouldn't beat your wives. And yeah, and the king was not involved. <laughs> right. Like I went and I told her about the, the, the right of the first night and I, and she said, I'm going to fix that. And then it got fixed. That wasn't Jaharis. That was Allison. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I, that makes sense. It reminds me kind of, have you ever read those books, Little House on the Prairie? Uh-huh. And those like that series. Um, Laura Ingalls Wilder, who was the author of those, she, I mean, those books were just autobiographical. It was about her life uh, going, like, you know, settling the West mm-hmm. with her family. And her, it was her father, mother, so it was Charles, her mother, Caroline, and then four daughters. It was Mary, Laura, I forget the third kid, and then the, the fourth daughter, they named Caroline. And the oldest daughter, Mary, got scarlet fever and was blind from that. Uh-huh. So she was kind of, I mean, she was blind, so they kept her inside because she couldn't do a lot of things um so laura kind of became like the son fig kind of figure and she did a lot of manual labor with her parents Mm -hmm. to get these farmsteads going she did a lot of like physical like tilling the fields carrying things bailing hay taking care of animals like because they who else is gonna do right right you know, Charles couldn't do it all by himself. Right. You need you a know. pair of hands. And if the pair of hands you have is your daughter, then you're like, great, help me. Like, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And it was like one, it was one of those things that when they moved, they eventually moved to a small town out west because they had like several different farms throughout her life. Oh. 
and they eventually moved to a small town and there was like a little beef with her and like some other girl who had like gotten to be like not a farm worker and they kind of, they like the same guy but Laura won Laura got to marry uh Oscar Wilde I think was his name no Oscar Wilde's a poet I was gonna say Oscar Wilde is gay so no. Uh, the, the guy's last name was Wild. That's why she was Laura Wilder. Wilder. Okay. Laura, Laura Ingalls Wilder. The, Cause Ingalls was her family name and Wilder was her married name. I forget, I forget now her husband's name. Um, but yeah. So, I mean, that was like a dynamic was like, mm-hmm. it, it was still understood to be more feminine to not have to work and be like physical, but it was of necessity. Uh-huh. I think that's also like in this text, why in the North we have a different kind of patriarchy than you have elsewhere. Right, right. Because of that, like, need to, like, live through the winter. Yeah, and you see that the wildlings have an even, like, barely have a gendered Mm -hmm. dynamic. And they have a very different life, way of life. That, like, their way Mm -hmm. of life, you kind of can't have strong delineations of gender when you are, like, subsistence living. Or, right. or base, like the equivalent of hunter gathering, like when you when you don't right. have a stable home, pl- when you're traveling around a lot, when you're like migratory, like you don't really have mm-hmm. gendered tasks because everyone just does everything. Everyone does what's available and what they can right. do. And you want people to do what they're good at. You know, if you have someone who's a fucking great shot with a bow, right? You want them to go hunting, right? You know, you you don't want them to be like be like, oh no, you you must only knit socks. You know, like someone else can knit socks who's good at that. You know, but if you're really good with a bow, we want you to hunt shit. Yeah. If you're really good at knitting, we want you to knit shit, you know. Right. Whatever it, would be, it is It would that be we very silly and, like, unproductive and bad for the group to be like, I know you're, like, the best hunter that we have, but, like, you're a lady, so. Hmm. That vagina, though. Yeah. You know? So I'm <laughs> sorry. Even though you might shoot a deer more quickly than any of the rest of us. Um, mm-hmm. you gotta stay home like that. And we we do see throughout the text the uh, the I guess more southern Westerosi encountering ladies who are really good at martial things mm-hmm. and using that. You know, like John Quill mm-hmm. Dark. You know, they're like everyone's like, oh, a lady shouldn't be fighting, but like John Quill Dark's really good at that, and we kind of like need her because we need someone to guard the queen. And they're like, we'll let you do it. Yeah. You know, or I, there's like several different ones throughout where like. The rules will give way if the skill is really mm-hmm. valuable, which is unfortunate because it's like you have to be like, not just like, you know, average at whatever you want to do. You have to be like excellent yep. to be able to break that mold. Yeah, you have uh, to be yeah. exceptional in the term, right. in that, in the kind of more literal meaning of like, you have to be the exception in order for them to break the rules for you. Right, exactly. Um, so anyway, that's the point of view. Uh- yeah, 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 yeah. That's, that's, that's real <laughs> thick on the ground here. Yeah, yeah, we love love to see it. Uh, so let's talk about what really happened. Uh, uh, the minor one, minor other lens. It's very small, oh. but like, there's this mm-hmm. like section where they're talking about the roads, and mm-hmm. um, the maesters like, you know, the poor fellows could would sometimes protect people when they weren't robbing them themselves. And I was like, oh yeah, mm-hmm. gotta love that anti-faith propaganda. Anytime you can yeah. just, you know, stick it to the faith, be like, well, they're they're bad people, actually. You need that poor fellow slander, because we don't like them. We don't like the poor fellows. We don't like them. We need yeah, to remind they're... you that there's a reason why we crushed the faith militant. Like that's It was what... good that we crushed them. Yeah. But what's the problem? Yeah, that's what I'm seeing. Anytime they like 
side eye the faith militant in any way. I'm like, oh, this is just you have to justify. You need to continue to justify that Magord completely shattered the faith militant. So you have to like rewrite history by like saying that they were they were always all bad people anyway. So like that's why we crushed What's crazy them. is that within the same fucking text we know that they're not. Like come on, we just read it a few hundred pages ago. <laughs> yep, right. I I love when he like change when he like fucking changes history within the confines of his own book. Yeah, yeah. That you're like, I was, I was like watching bro. him rewrite history. Right. Oh, it's fantastic. Oh, what a great literary device by Martin. Uh huh. You know, that's great. So yeah, what uh, really happened? Oh, Daenerys. Daenerys. Um, <sighs> this is interesting. So let's talk about Targaryen magic blood. Yep. Because the text mentions a series of diseases uh-huh. that Targaryens allegedly do not succumb to. And I have thoughts and feelings about this. Uh, because I love the Targaryens. Um, let me see if I could... Find it. So on page 285, Targaryens did not die of pox or the bloody flux, red spots, brown leg, or shaking sickness. They would not succumb to worm bone or clotted lung or sour gout or any of the myriad pestilences and contagions that the gods uh, set loose on mortal men. There was fire in the blood of the dragon, it was reasoned, a purifying fire that burned out all such plagues. It was unthinkable that a pureborn princess should die shivering as if she were some common child. So I kind of am of two minds of this. Either one, he's just wrong, mm-hmm. and there have been, there may very well have been plenty of Targaryens that have died from various sicknesses. When we get to the end of Jaehaerys and Alicent's reign, uh-huh. we can revisit all the ways their various, the various children that do die, how they die, right. and talk about that probably a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm also just wondering if it's one of those things where, like, because, and I don't know if how scientifically solid this is. So, like, for example, when the when um, colonists, when conquerors came to the Americas, they brought, like, diseases that were new to the Americas, mm-hmm. right? And they, like, like smallpox and shit like that and, like, fucking wiped out indigenous populations because they didn't have any immunity to those diseases, right? right? Um, and I'm wondering if it's something similar mm-hmm. where, like, maybe the Valyrians just had exposure to, like, the diseases they listed for, like, many generations in Valyria and developed a natural immunity to it and so just are 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 scientifically naturally immune immune to those things not because of magic but just because of like genetics or that would actually make a lot of sense given that like Valyria was a large kingdom like very very large like spanned a huge part of what we know of you know that exists on planetos in a lot and in a lot of different areas like it unlike westeros it was not confined to like an island nation you know Mm -hmm. where like you can expect that like they might have limited contact with like diseases that are rampant in slaver's bay or essos or Mm sothorios or um and we know sothorios has a lot of diseases that we don't have in westeros and valyria was right next to that Mm -hmm. so is it possible that they just over time developed an immunity because like i don't know fucking the bloody flux would sweep through valyria and a bunch of people would die the other people that lived had kids and their kids were more Mm -hmm. robust and more immune to that or some such thing you know something along those lines right and the shivers is new yep and so Mm -hmm. you know they are just as susceptible to it as anyone else right that's like my science brain kind of trying to explain Uh what happened there 
The other... So I guess there's three things. One, he could just be wrong. Two, it could be that. Three, it could be magic to the extent that is this a sign of magic beginning to diminish? Mm-hmm. And I, that I don't know as much. So I was wondering what you thought. I was wondering what you thought about Daenerys in general. Yeah, I tend to think that it's um, that it's hype. You know, that they're mm-hmm. that like if that the idea that like they don't get the diseases is some I tend to think it's some combination of like they might have some immunity to some of these diseases given, you know, fr- coming from a colonial power. Um, mm-hmm. And B, that like if Targaryens have died of these diseases in the past, it's been chalked up to something else. Yeah, it could be. You know, like it can't mm-hmm. be the bloody flux. We know Targs don't get that must be poison. Mm. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. The other aspect of this too I hadn't thought about to now is their access to healthcare. Yes, yes. So they might they might not have died as often from these things because they had access to healthcare that mm-hmm. the small folk do not. Yep, yeah, that's the other, yeah, exactly. Because they're wealthy, so like they are not as like, like if there are, if there's any kind of cure or anything to ameliorate it, even if it's not a cure, something to make it so that you can live longer, that you don't just immediately die. Like, mm-hmm. the wealthiest people are going to have access to it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... And preventative care. Yes. You know, if you're, like, like living on Dragonstone, for example, it's like, okay, yeah, they didn't get the bloody flux and shit, because who are they interacting with? Right. They're in an island fortress. Uh-huh. You know? So, yeah, it kind of makes sense. And, like, you know, they live in the Red Keep. They, how often are they really interacting with, like, the small folk of King's Landing? Right. Where they would be exposed. Right. And the other, I feel like the other, the other counterpoint to the idea that like targs are magical or like it has to be a magical d- disease to afflict them is like Reyna's reaction to what happened on Dragonstone. Mm-hmm. Like Reyna clearly did not believe that Targaryens are immune to disease mm-hmm. because when people started dying around her, she was like, oh shit, there's a disease going yeah, around and i don't want the small folk to get it turned out it was poison but like mm-hmm. her reaction does not indicate that targs can't get sick her reaction actually right. indicates that they do that they can get sick and she's aware of the possibility that they can get sick and is attempting mm-hmm. to like prevent you know that like if people are going to die it's just going to be like you know she's not going to let it spread so like i i feel like mm-hmm. her reaction indicates that that she, at the very least she doesn't believe that Targs mm-hmm. can't get sick. That, like, Targs are magical beings that, like, can never get a disease. And there's there's examples of, like, I mean, Visenya died from some kind of wasting thing. Mm-hmm. And when we talked about that, we theorized, like, oh, was it poison or whatever? Well, maybe it was just, a, maybe it was something regular. Right. And, and the you know, history is like, maybe it was poison. It was so sudden, you know. But it's like... Yep. Maybe she was just like in her sixties or seventies, and mm-hmm. she got like a really bad flu, or a stomach thing, or like look whatever you know, right. like it could that could have easily been something mundane mm-hmm. that that killed Visenya. Uh, and I, the reason I so I was wondering about Daenerys being a sign of the the decline of magic because um, of what we see with King Viserys. So. Uh-huh. We in the in the text we're getting close to the birth of Viserys, but for all of us who have watched House of the Dragon, which we assume our listeners have, uh, King Viserys Targaryen is so sickly. Uh-huh. He is the sickliest man, and that's definitely metaphorical, right? Yep. Um, 
So I'm wonder I'm like wondering if the the death of the firstborn daughter, besides the fact that it's like a shivers thing, and we could talk about like metaphorical winter. Yep. Um. You know, if that's a, a, the first sign of a the decline of the Tarkarian dynasty. Yeah, and there and there. She's not the first of Jaehaerys and Alicent's kids to die either, because they had a, they no. had the um the bi- Aegon the boy Aegon, the babe who died like three days later. Right. I think you're right that like they're the the symbolism is that Targaryens can die as a like the dynasty. You know that like despite all appearances that this is like some unassailable dynasty mm-hmm. that um it is mortal. It is. At the end mm-hmm. of the day, just a bunch of people who mm-hmm. are in charge. And, um, yeah, I like that idea because it means the kind of, like, if we're if we're going to talk about, like, the Targaryen dynasty is an example of a dynasty that ends up eating itself, that, like, rots mm-hmm. from the inside out, then that means, mm-hmm. like, oh, man, the rot's setting in real early. Yeah. All the way back here, we got signs yeah. that, like, this is eventually... That this is kind of like a, that the rot speeds up towards the end of the dynasty, but we're already starting to see signs that, like, Mm -hmm. it is, in fact, a fallible, mortal, non-magical dynasty that is going to end up eating itself. And I I wonder, and I don't know that we have enough details in the text to, to solve this, but, like, if this was to be adapted to the screen, I think this would be interesting to play with. How much of Daenerys getting the shivers can be blamed on Targaryen hubris mm. that they assumed they couldn't. Yeah. Because, like, they don't quarantine. No. You know? They don't, like, until after Rago Draz is killed. Once Rago Draz is yep. killed, then Jaehaerys bars the gates and they stay inside. That seems to be less of a reaction to the Shivers and more of a reaction to the attack on Rago Draz. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So, like, he doesn't say, you know, he's not like Reyna. He doesn't say, holy shit, there's a fucking deadly-ass disease in the city. I'm keeping my kids inside. Ser- servants cannot leave. Uh-huh. Like, you were quarantined in the castle until this passes, which he could have easily said. Uh, so somebody brought the Shivers in because it's communicable. Yeah. So who? How? You know, was it what were they doing that they that their daughter, their six year old daughter got exposed? I like um, I like that a lot. The idea that like this is a sign of of hubris. And it like totally yeah. makes sense for Jaharis, especially given the way that he reacts. Because that was one of the mm-hmm. things that I wanted to point out was that when when Daenerys dies, like Jaharis says, um, uh, how could this happen? What sin did she commit? Why would the gods take her? How could this happen? And I'm yeah. like, hey, really interesting reaction from Jaharis. Like, just mm-hmm. character-wise, it's interesting that he jumps to, like, what sin did she commit? Why did the gods take her? I never mm-hmm. thought of him as being, like, a religious figure. Like, a, like having religious feelings. But, like, he jumps to, mm-hmm. like, did she do something wrong that the gods mm-hmm. killed her? And I like mm-hmm. the idea that, like, the actual answer is like, no, buddy, you did something wrong. Yeah, you thought you're better than everyone. Yes. You're imposing, like, you're you're doing something morally, you're currently living a life that is morally inept. Yes. You're, li- you're living a life that is imposing your will on people through the threat of violence. And that that is the moral pro- failing. And your own hubris in that is what led to her getting sick. That That would be, for me, like, a very meaningful narrative. Yes. 
I don't think that's present in the pages we have, yeah. but if you were to put that on screen, you could. Yes. You could easily put that on screen. You could have an episode that started with, like, somebody who was sick interacting with someone else, and then that person interacts with someone else. And then, like, you could, throughout the episode, build the chain right. up to Daenerys and then end the episode on Mother I'm Cold. Yep. Yeah, and you, you know. and you could do a thing even if you wanted to have someone – I mean, I know if I were adopting this, it would be really interesting to have maybe Alisanne or someone being like, hey, remember when Reyna thought that people were getting sick and, like, shut down King's Landing? Like, maybe we should consider mm-hmm. doing that. And yeah. Jaharis being like, but we're Targaryens. Yeah, we're fine. Like, we're going to be okay. You know, yeah. Reyna did that because we all know that, like, Reyna was like, oh, maybe he's not okay and maybe overly anxious and overly cautious. But, like, we, mm-hmm. you and I, Alisanne, you and I know that we're, you know, Targaryen exceptionalism. We are closer to God than be, men. We don't get sick. It's fine. It would be really interesting. Yeah, I completely agree. It would be really interesting if, like, you built a chain of people that led to Daenerys and if at every step of the chain there should have been something to prevent contact. Yeah. but. For whatever reason, Jaehaerys' actions led to that chain continuing. Uh-huh. That would be really interesting, like, visually to see. Yep. yep. Get on this, HBO. We have so many ideas. Right. Because I do <laughs> think that what part of what we're seeing here is that Jaehaerys has bought his own hype. Oh, yes. That, like, and oh, yes, Alisanne, I think, may have bought her the hype as well. That, like, both of them seem to, at some level, have bought their own hype. And that's really interesting to me. Because when it gets to the part where it's like the target, you know, Targaryen exceptionalism, um, it says that like, you know, for Jaehaerys and Alysanne, however, the death of their beloved daughter must have seemed especially cruel for it stuck at the ver- struck at the very heart of the doctrine of exceptionalism. I'm like, yeah, the doctrine that you made up so you could fuck each right? other. That you made up so you could fuck your sister. Yes. <laughs> You like it's not even that your parents made this up or your grandparents and you inherited this. You two literally made this up to make incest yes. okay. And you know, ten years later you've bought it. Yeah. You bought your own made up rules. Uh they they're deep in that fanfic. <laughs> and like that's part of what gets me about this is like this whole section where like the Maester is like, oh, the Targaryen exceptionalism and they're clo- and I'm like they made this up. The people you're mm-hmm. talking about made this up. Yep. And it is not taken long. Not taken long for just, not just the people at large. We don't even know if the people at large buy into Targaryen exceptionalism, but the Targs sure do. Mm-hmm. They have bought, exactly. they have sniffed their own farts and say they, they smell need like to. roses. They need to. They need to push it because uh, that's part of their, their reign. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I, you know what would be really interesting too? It to adapt it to screen is if like throughout the episode where this was happening, people were reporting to Jaharis that like the servants were getting sick. Uh huh. Yep. And maybe Alisanne thinking, you know, well, we're not gonna get sick, whatever. But maybe she's like, well, you know, our our servants and stuff are getting sick. Maybe we should like shut down, like close the gates or whatever, so that we don't spread it anymore. Like for for our our servants, not for us. Yeah, we all know and, we're fine. Right, and if Jaharis is just like, you know, that's gonna happen. People like they're gonna get sick. And what what are you going to do? Like, if it's kind of one of those things that he, like, hand waves it away, uh-huh. like, a couple times, and there's just, like, reports throughout of, like, people getting ill, and then finally, like, the last person who gets ill, that gets Daenerys ill. Uh-huh. You know? Yep. Uh, you don't need to mask. I would. Mask or vaccines. Mask. Yeah, come on. But wash your hands. 
Just he I, again, I stand by my my previous analysis. Jaharos could have shut this whole thing down mm-hmm. if he had quarantined King's Landing from when he first heard about it when it was in the fucking islands. Yep, yep. they could have so. shut it down. Contact tracing, like there there's a bunch of stuff that they could have done. Right, exactly. They don't need to know about germs to know how that like it's moving through people. Right, that's obviously what's happening. Yeah, you, yes, you don't need to know the vector to just know that like, mm-hmm. oh, so and so hung out with so and so, and then they got sick. And then they yep. hung out with someone else, and then that person got sick. Like you don't, you don't have to know that it's microscopic organisms. You can think it's my favorite is miasma. You can just think it's bad smells or like yeah. bad breath or whatever. But like, as long as mm-hmm. you get the sense that like it can move from one person to another when they're close to each other, mm-hmm. as soon as you have that, then all you have to do is be like, right? Then we should like not let people be close to each other who might be sick, right? And they certainly, they certainly have that at this point in Westeros. Like the Maesters understand enough about disease, yes, to know that. Yeah. Uh, so, what I, you mentioned something about Jaehaerys's response being like, "What sin did she commit?" Yeah. I want to put a pin in that because Jaehaerys in the future, like as he gets older, gets like more and more hung up about like sex stuff. Yeah. And I think I want to come back to that quote in, in future episodes. Okay. So I'm just going to pin that in my brain and hopefully remember. Yeah, that's uh, interesting. I, know, I, think I that's... Yeah, I think I know kind of where you're going with that. And I like, it's interesting to imagine that like he might be starting to orient himself towards the faith mm-hmm. or like religious ways of understanding why I think bad it's things more... happen. I think it's more, and again, we can talk about this more in future episodes, but I think it's more that Jaehaerys himself already believes these things, and the faith kind of gives him a bol- like a bolster to that, like a, bol- a, a, a buttress to that, because yep. he seems to, from what we've seen, be kind of a prudish man. Mm-hmm. You know, this is how Alicent gets him to pass laws or whatever, because she starts talking about sex and he gets real uncomfortable, Oh, right? yeah, that's true. <laughs> so, you know, so I, I think that he's just, like, not... Like, he's just, like, not into, like, he's obviously into having sex because he has a fucking thousand children, but he's not into, like, talking about it. Yeah. And he gets real uncomfortable when it comes up. Mm-hmm. And I I'm, I have a feeling because the faith kind of aligns with that. Right. That, and, like, it already, like, it aligns with what he already would do on his own. Yeah. You know? And it makes sense that he would have some level of, like, just world theory in his brain. Mm-hmm. The idea that, like, if a bad thing happens to you, it's because you did something wrong. And, like, right. good things happen to you when you're a good person. Because um, mm-hmm. I'm thinking about Magor and having, like, him having been raised around Magor. And it was like, well, he's a bad, like, Magor's a bad guy. That's why he got punished. You know, like, mm-hmm. if if a part of your mythology of leadership is that, like, the chair that you sit on can reject you if you're bad enough, mm-hmm. it, like, doesn't surprise me that you might take that mindset elsewhere to be, mm-hmm. like... Well, a bad thing will happen to you if you're a bad person. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if you're a bad king, the throne will poke you and <laughs> and kill you. And kill you. So- <laughs> and definitely not your wife. You're doing your wife definitely did not kill yeah. you. It was definitely yeah. the, the chair. It was definitely it the, was the chair. metaphorical chair. Yeah, it was. It was yeah. not your wife who like yeah. shoved you down on the chair to make a spike no. stick out your throat. No, 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 no. No, you, no, you, no you, definitely not. The no. chair just impaled you itself. Yeah, um, it was a it was a metaphor. Don't you get it? It's <laughs> very important. <laughs> um, but yeah, like if at some level you believe that like a chair can reject you for being a bad king, I'm not all that surprised that he like also thinks that like if a if someone dies, they did something wrong, right? And I'm like, she's a six year old child. Like, what possibly right. like? No, this is not how this works, Jaharis. Like, mm-hmm. just world theory is bullshit. <laughs> 
Um, sorry for people who believe in it, but like, I think it's wrong. Um, don't tell Jaharis. Don't tell Jaharis that. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, and I so like to round this off. I really love this quote on page two eighty five. This is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, the the maester is like winking at the audience, and really, yeah. Martin George R. R. Martin is like, "Do you get it, guys? Do you get it? Do you fuck? Do you fucking get it? Do you get it." Where he says, "Mayhaps the Targaryens were not so close to gods as they had believed." Mayhaps in the end they too were only men. Do you get it? Do you get it? Do you get the it? Targs aren't Do magical. Do you fucking get it? Do, Do you fucking get it? get it? And still, I'm on the internet fucking arguing with people about magic dragon babies. <laughs> right, right. This is the is it magic or did we trick you? We definitely tricked you. The targs are you. not magic. We tricked you. It's such a trick. A hundred percent trick. <laughs> You've been tricked. They are not magical. They just have dragons and c- convince everyone that they're magic to legitimate their own dynasty. It doesn't... Being literally as white as you can be does not make you magic. <laughs> <laughs> Having blonde hair and purple eyes does not make you magic. <laughs> no. It does not. They too are only men. Targs are people too, everyone. I'm sorry. Uh. Oh man! Sorry to ruin your magic blood. Maybe they're part lizard theory, but like they're not <laughs> part lizard. That's a, there's a theory that there are people who maybe. are like maybe the blood magic they did made them part dragon and they're part lizard secretly. Maybe blood purity is bullshit. Mm-hmm. Have we considered? Mm-hmm. Have we con- <laughs> even the fact? Okay, I, I'm just gonna say Daenerys. Last thought on Daenerys. They're like a pureborn Targ princess. I'm like fucking pause. Jaehaerys and Alicent are both half Targaryen and half Valerian, uh-huh. which means their children are also both half Targaryen and half Valerian. Yep. So there, she's not. What do you fucking mean, a pureborn Targaryen? What does that fucking mean, buddy? I love like, that, that. Like the Westerosi, like the extent of Westerosi genetics, if they have any, is like, what are your parents? And I'm like, right. genetics doesn't work that way. Like. We're we're not no. even even really talking about half Valyrian half Targ. Like we got we got generations of people that are intermarrying up there. Like we don't know mm-hmm. how many other, you know, ha- family houses, quote unquote, blood is mixed in with this. Like, mm-hmm. but the way the Westerosi genetic works is literally it's just so like, it's so small brained. I like find it really yeah. funny when I read it. They're like, well, what was the mom and what was the dad? I'm like, that's not how genes work. This is yeah. Ah, ah. <laughs> well, we'll get into um in a couple sections. We'll get into uh our girl Rainus, uh who's in House of the Dragon. Yes. Rainus in House of the Dragon is de- depicted as having blonde hair, which I get because they were trying to visually do like a Targaryen thing. Uh-huh. But she is black of hair. Yep. That girl is a is Baratheon. She is a part Baratheon, and it shows. Yep. And I think that's part of the reason she gets passed over, in my opinion, besides yeah, being a woman. Yeah, she doesn't look like a Targ. I do like think that targ. visual... Yeah, because they've got a I whole that thing about they have to look like a Targaryen. Yeah, be- yeah. right, because this comes up in Fire and Blood. It's gonna, like, this comes up during the Dance of the Dragons. This has come up in the show. We've talked about this. I think we talked about this on Unabashed Book Snobbery, where, like, mm-hmm. one of us pointed out, like, technically... Rhaenyra's kids are just are are like equally Targ as Alicent's as kids. As Alicent's kids. They're exactly as Targ. They're half. Yes. They're half Targaryen. Right. If, if we're doing the if we're doing the Westerosi genetics and all you care about are the, the houses of the parents. 
Right. Then exactly. Rhaenyra's kids are as much Targaryen as Allison's kids. It's just that Allison's kids look like it. Yep. And Rhaenyra's kids don't, but they are equally the same amount of Targaryen if all you're going by yep. is the parents. So I do think you're right that like Rhaenys not looking Targaryen enough that like they really care about how Targ you look. Not necessarily mm-hmm. how Targ you are, but how Targ you look. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, and I think that that would very likely have to do with, again, legitimating their dynasty. That as soon as you allow someone on the throne who looks like a normal person, maybe the people might start to think that anyone could be king. <laughs> well, and it's leading into that whole, like, like whenever the fucking maester describes, like, they're clearly magic, look at their hair and eyes. Again, it's like, it's, it's a white supremacy yeah. thing. I mean, it's a commentary on white supremacy. It's a very blatantly that uh... on page. Uh, and it's like, they must be better than us. Look at how fucking pale they are. Like, no. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's that's bullshit. That's made up bullshit. <laughs> right. Look at look at their golden hair and their and their weirdly colored eyes. They must that must mean they deserve to be in charge because they look different. Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, exactly. No. Oh God. No. Anyway, racism is bad. Yeah, it is. <laughs> and other and other hot takes. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, I love Grand Maester Elisar. I'm going to love him even more as the story goes on. Um, yes. The description of him is. He never had a thought he didn't feel the need to share. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, buddy, I already think you're great. Same. Same. I'm the same way. <laughs> and uh, over everything he says so far, I'm like, someone should say it. You are right. You are right, Grandmaster LSR, and you should say it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, we love him. Benefer was, like, there. LSR, like, yeah. is a character. And I, and I yes. just, he's great. Super excited. I do. I love him. And in this section, he says um, that great line about <laughs> Alyssa. Yeah. Because Alyssa, when she has Alyssa, she names Alyssa after her mother. Uh-huh. And Elisar is like, yeah, that would be like a great honor if Queen Alyssa was still fucking alive. Yeah. Yeah. Basically, <laughs> an honor her grace would have appreciated more had she been alive, observed the new Grand Maester, though not in the king's hearing. <laughs> like, damn. Yep. Yep. Spicy. Oh, do you have? Yeah. You have spicy thoughts. Nice. Um, yeah. I tinfoil because if I were making this a show, I would mm-hmm. I would include that perhaps LSR has thoughts about how the the traumatic childbirth might have gone differently. Mm. That like that this is coming from a place of like could have handled that differently, could have handled that better mm-hmm. had she been alive. I mean, I'm not saying that someone could have made sure that she was alive, but like whatever. Not saying I could have definitely saved both her and the babe, but, you know, probably could have. Probably could have. Um, I kind of believe him. Yeah. kind of believe him. Yeah. <laughs> I like the idea that this is coming from a place of, like, that he's throwing shade because he that, cause yeah. he believes that it could have gone differently and is throwing shade. Um, yeah. Yeah. I do like that. Um, so, yeah, our, our girl Allison keeps having kids. God bless. Um she maybe Alyssa, not. her her child Alyssa. I like Alyssa as a character. She is a little she's a little not like other girls. She's a lot um, not like other girls. <laughs> Look, I still like her. I really like her, but she's yeah. the most not like other girls that we have seen so far in this story. Like yeah. explicitly, like the 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 section that you read earlier, it was like she didn't mm-hmm. dress like a girl and she did all these boy mm-hmm. things. Um mm-hmm. she's very Arya Stark. Yeah. I, I I wonder. I, well, I guess we'll we'll have to get more of her story to kind of talk about where where that goes, if anywhere. Um, I like the fact that of her description. I always forget that she's got like 
She's not honestly like the coolest looking Targaryen. Mm-hmm. She has like dirty blonde hair. She has one purple eye and one green eye. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, whoa. What? That's yeah. cool as shit. Yep. <laughs> How did that happen? That's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and yeah, she's like, all, and she follows Balon around. And she got a broken a nose as a kid because she was pl- like roughhousing in the yard with her brothers and like broke her mm-hmm. nose and it never set right. And she was like, no, 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 this is cool. I like my broken nose. Yeah. Yeah. I like her. She's great. Mm-hmm. Um. I want to put a pin in this. We will. We can talk about this more, I believe, in the next section. But, like, I wonder how much of this, not like other girls, is a part of how she's navigating patriarchy mm-hmm. um, by, like, making herself more like the men in her life and less like the women. Like, that it's – I don't know how much of this is personality. Like, I, like I assume mm-hmm. some of this is personality because yeah. it's got to be um because she's so young at this point that like some of this has got to just be a personality but like as she gets older Mm -hmm. i wonder how much of that becomes an intentional move towards masculinity as a way of rejecting the constraints of Mm. femininity Hmm. um and and because she has a dragon so she can i was about to say i think one of the things we're seeing with Alyssa is a Targaryen princess that has two things going on. One is that she she briefly has an older sister, but Daenerys dies. Uh-huh. Um, but she has two older brothers. Yep. So in her like immediate family, she has one female figure, her mom, but then she has her dad and two older brothers. Yep. So she has more male figures. So it's like not surprising that she would be like copying the older siblings that are available to her. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think part of it's personality. But the other thing going for her is that there's no one to tell her yep. no. Because, like, Jaehaerys isn't, like, she's she's too little for Jaehaerys to care yet about this kind of thing. Mm-hmm. We'll see Jaehaerys caring about his daughter's activities when they're older. Yep. Um, and Alysanne is so, like, you know, pro-girl and, like, pro-women, whatever, that she's not about to tell her daughter, like, no, you can't. Mm-hmm. You know, she, do- she doesn't tell her kids, no, you can't. She supports them in what they want to do. Right. Um, and tries to help them. So she can you know Alyssa can do whatever she wants pretty much mm-hmm. and she and she does eventually become a dragon rider and then she can super do whatever she yep. wants <laughs> right so yeah i think this is like i mean i imagine alisanne could have been the very same way as a child we don't still so we don't know yep. we didn't see anything about alisanne as a kid so Allison might have been exactly the same way, following Jaehaerys around yep. and doing kind of more, like, boys, quote-unquote, boy stuff. Yeah, but I, yes. And I want to, like, keep a pin in the daughters of Jaehaerys Targaryen because mm-hmm. I think that, especially the daughters, we will start, we can ask the question of, like, how many of these princesses, Targaryen princesses, are trying to push the boundaries of what's allowed for them given that they are daughters of the ruling family have mm-hmm. giving everything you just said they're daughters of a ruling family um Jaharis doesn't really care about what they do until they can marry um mm-hmm. alisanne is very pro-women and is going to support them and not going to tell them no and they they at some level would probably be aware of like if they don't personally have a dragon yet that they like their family at least has them and mm-hmm. like seeing that we will i think that we can 
start to track that. That, like, Daenerys had a bit of an edge to her as well. Yeah. Um, And now we're seeing it even more with Alyssa. And I think when we get to some of the other daughters, not all of them, but we can start to ask the same question of, like, how much are we seeing that mm-hmm. the daughters are are pushing against boundaries in ways that, like, the sons probably mm-hmm. aren't? Because mm-hmm. they don't need to. Well, I'm... I mean, I think Miguel. We don't get a lot about Miguel in this part. Mm-hmm. Miguel, Miguel. I don't know how to say him. Um, but they, the je- the quote about her is that she was gentle, selfless, sweet natured, and exceedingly bright. She's a smart girl. So those, those first three are like, yeah, we say that about all the women. But exceedingly bright is not a descriptor that we often see applied to women. Mm-hmm. Even like Florence Fossaway, they weren't like she's super smart. They're like, well, she counts apples, so she can do math. You right. know. That no one was like she's a fucking genius when it comes to mathematics. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the fact like Miguel gets gets the descriptor of being exceedingly bright, right, is a, a kind of uniquely Targaryen thing, and I think because of her position also as being a princess mm-hmm. and that and being being a a very smart woman within the patriarchy is a way to push that boundary, right, because you're not supposed to be, right. And she's not going to move toward, like, she can't move towards Old Town, right? Like, because that's mm-hmm. one of the things that we saw with with Alisanne was that she said, she was like, I basically, she was like, I would have made a really good maester because I'm really smart. She would have. I'm like, yeah, you would have because yeah. she's really smart. Mm-hmm. And so, like, Miguel can't move that direction. So there's kind of only mm-hmm. one direction left in Westeros yeah. that, for smart girls. Um, yeah. And we'll see where that goes. But, yeah, I feel like. The, we should, I mean, we're going to want to watch all of, all of Jaehaerys and Alicent's children, but I think that, like, the daughters especially, I think, are going to, given the way that some of them are described by the maester, which is not super flattering, mm-hmm. Jaehaerys and the maester agree that not all of his kids are good kids, and they kind of agree on which ones are not the good kids. Um, I, I would pay so much money to see a spinoff about Sarah's life. Yep. Not just me. Yeah. So like, <laughs> and I think that part of where we will see that they agree about which kids are not the good, not the quote unquote good kids is mm-hmm. very much about pushing the boundaries about what's allowed for a woman. Oh, absolutely. In the ruling family. Oh, absolutely. Like what can she get away mm-hmm. with? Um, mm-hmm. And I think we're starting to see that with Alyssa more than we saw with Daenerys. Because Alyssa is basically like, could I be a boy? Mm-hmm. Could I fight and ride a dragon and not eat my porridge? Like, can I be really <laughs> masculine and get away with it? Is that allowed for mm-hmm. me because I'm a princess? Right. And the same, this is going to lead to the tension between Jaehaerys and Alicent. Yes. Growing over time. Mm-hmm. This, this is the, the crux of that, is the way that their children behave. Right. Yep. Ah. What a great story. Um, um, yeah, I, ha- I have really notes have- from this section, or you're gonna see, we're going to see it come up in the next section because we've already, spoilers, we've already read the next section. Um, <gasps> Don't tell them how it works. Um, so now they know. But I just have notes that just say another year, another baby for Alisanne. <laughs> so you will probably Jeez. hear that phrase come up because I just like, I was reading this and just going, God, another one? That's another yeah. year, another ba- another baby. That's just how Alisanne yeah. works at this point. I can't, they just can't stop fucking. They're just, uh-huh. you know. She's been God kind of bless. reduced to making babies at this point. Yeah. I mean, she's in her prime childbearing years. So uh, a, a, a female body with like regular levels of fertility uh, having sex regularly is going to have about a baby every year or two. Mm-hmm. So that's how you get like 19 kids and counting 
if you just keep having unprotected sex. And it's just so, it's so hard to see that be where her story goes because like early on in their marriage when she just had a couple of kids, like she was doing all sorts of shit. She's making laws. She's traveling everywhere. Mm. She's doing so many things. And then you get to this part of the story and it's just like, She's just popping out babies and that's that's and all she's very likely doing other things but all the text cares about is that she's popping out babies. And think about how much privilege she has being queen. Mm-hmm. Like she doesn't have to worry about feeding these kids, she doesn't have to worry about care for these kids. Like she's got wet nurses, she's got fucking I mean they've got everything. Mm-hmm. So she could still like be doing other stuff, but like you know, the same thing would happen to a, a woman who's a small folk, mm-hmm. you know, if she's similarly, you know, having sex on a regular basis with her husband. You know, she's also going to have lots and lots of children. Right. Um, you know, so, I mean, we even see, like, Catelyn Stark has the five children. Mm-hmm. Um, and at the time the story picks up, she's also still in her, like, prime childbearing years. She's, like, mid-30s. Yep. yep. So she, and she, like, wants to have more, mm-hmm. you know. How, how old is Alice? Well, I guess we're going through the years at this point. Because um, she's had six at this. Miguel is, is her sixth child? Yeah. Right? Yes, Miguel is number six. Um, and, and that's in 62. Mm, hold on one second. Doesn't she have one that dies also? Yeah, or is that, she's got no. two that die in the next section. Oh, it's the next section. Okay, my um, bad. Okay, so in... When was she born? What year was Allison born? I was going to work backwards. Okay. She was born in 36 AC. 36. To 62. 28? Yeah, so she's 28. Yeah, so she's she's 28 at this point, and she's had six kids. Um, Holy shit. That's a lot of kids for 28. That's a, Jesus. That's a lot of kids in general. Yikes. Yeah, I mean, Allison has so many children, and- very young because 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 mm-hmm. she's having like at this point in the story she's kind of having a baby almost every year yeah um she's just popping out a bunch of babies um yep anyway yeah so two more babies right now and then we get uh the third the quote-unquote third dornish war in rogar baratheon <laughs> um uh, there's some symbolism here that I will just point out mm-hmm. with Rogar Baratheon showing up as like gray and gaunt. Mm. Um, it's oh, interesting. Yeah, it's called like the Gray King. Um, mm-hmm. is kind of like the there's a there is a character in the in the World of Ice and Fire called the Gray King who's this like really old. He becomes really old and he sits on a weirwood throne and or what could be a weirwood mm. throne, but um. Like, it's analogous to, like, the Winter King when you think about, like, nature cycle mythology that you, there's very, like, one of the ways to envision nature cycle mythology is, like, a battle between, like, the the Winter King and the Summer King that, like. Mm -hmm. Okay. And they, Mm -hmm. like, you can think of the nature cycle as, like, a cycle of kings and generations that you have, like, you know, you have your spring, you know, ruler who, like, ages and then becomes a Winter King and then must fight with the new king who's going to arise in the springtime. Mm. And so, like, very often, like, you can think of nature cycles as a generational conflict. That's mm-hmm. what that's one way that some, you know, kind of, some cultures have kind of mythologized the the seasonal cycle is a battle between, like, 
a, a young king and an old king or a young queen and an old queen or, or you know like we, mm. it's basically a generational conflict so yeah um so you might have this kind of like winter king pop up who's like like gray and grizzled and gaunt and old and like his death is a part of signifying the the rising of the new the next generation and like rogar mm-hmm. was that was like the antagonistic father figure that like jaharis had to like kind of depose mm-hmm. in order to assert his own reign um mm-hmm. and so now rogar is showing up it's like uns- when you think of it as like a nature cycle myth it's unsurprising that at some point like rogar shows up as like this old dying king you know he was mm-hmm. he was never the actual king because he was always the consort but like he still fits mm. that kind of symbolic mold of like in order mm. for like you know like at some point he has to ultimately be deposed to truly solidify the reign of like the next the mm. next generation um mm. so he's showing like up as that. like gray and gaunt and like he he very much smacks of winter and this is happening kind of mm. at the end of a long winter like you have this like old grizzled you know skin and bones mm-hmm. man showing up to be like i must fight my final battle before i die yeah um, oh i like that mm-hmm. that's good symbolism yeah so like he's he's kind of the gray winter king showing up here mm-hmm. um i mean i think in terms of like what really happened i think pretty much as described on page when it comes to the Dornish war is yeah what happened yeah. i don't i don't see there to be any reason for the mason to make shit up i mean maybe he embellished i don't even think he embellished because like jaharis is perfectly capable of killing boris yep yeah. You know. And Jaharis is the kind of king, so like he says, like he tells Rogar, like, I don't want you to be a kinslayer. Uh-huh. Like I'll take I'll take care of your brother for yeah. you. And that's like a really nice thing and like is part of the it's part of the zeitgeist of their culture, you know, to not be a kinslayer and, and stuff like that. Right. Um I could see that being and- true. I could see that being a way to redeem Rogar if like I could, if someone told me that what actually happened was that Rogar killed both but you, mm-hmm. but you've got some, you know, you still love Rogar because we know that the Maester kind of loves Rogar. Mm-hmm. So you're like, I don't oh, know. I, I didn't get I like. Think... I could believe it. I don't necessarily yeah. think that's true, but like, I could be- like if if someone, if Martin were to be like, mm-hmm. yeah, no, like Rogar totally killed his brother, and the Maester made up that story about Jaharis doing yeah. it so that Rogar wouldn't look bad. I'd be like, yeah, sure, I buy that. Yeah, I could see that. I could definitely see that. What what drives me crazy about all of this is that all this is happening, and it's like Rogar gets this like lovely death or whatever, and I'm like, remember that time he tried to do treason? Yep. <laughs> remember the treason that he failed at? Like multiple times. <laughs> like not just a little bit of treason. He tried to do treason like three times. Yeah, he tried like a lot of treason. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> I was showing one of my friends the pictures in the book, uh, and there's that picture when Jaharis is like, you know, listen, words are wind. You just said some treason, but have you met Vermithor? <laughs> and it's just like, I was like, remember that, that time? That was that was pretty recent. That was like not that long ago that he tried to do this. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> yes. Right. Yeah. And remember how like your mom is dead because Rogar couldn't stop fucking her? Couldn't stop fucking her? Jesus. When she had- it's okay though, because Jocelyn is beautiful. So it's, it's fine. fine. Um, yeah. Yeah. There's like. There's a little bit of maester bias in, like, the level of dignity, like, being accorded mm-hmm. to Rogar. Like, this is, like, this, you know, that he's just, like, I want to die with my axe in my hand and, like, be a warrior. Mm-hmm. Like, there's this, there's this, like, kind of, like, sad dignity here that, like, yeah, is definitely because, I feel like is definitely because the maester, like, kind of loves Rogar Baratheon. 
Or, or at the very least, wants to make Rogar Baratheon look good because we had that talk about whether or not some of this is because the Baratheons end up in charge. So you can't be you exactly. can't be too mean to the Baratheons. Exactly. I think really that's more it. That it's like he's a warrior and he wanted to die a warrior's death because ultimately he doesn't. He dies in a fucking yeah. He passes away in, in bed, which is fine. There's nothing. On, there's nothing about that death that's bad. It's like he, it's like not different kinds of death are not better than others, except that some are more painful, which is not good for you, the individual. Uh-huh. But there's not like more or less honor in different kinds. Of, like that's all fucking made up. Yep. Yeah. Uh, like because the other thing I noticed is that there's a little bit of there's a bit of ableism happening and toxic masculinity mm-hmm. happening here that like the maester doesn't call out but the very fact that mm-hmm. rogar's like um i would not sleep away what life remains to me nor would i die a bed bleeding out of my arse like that there's a little bit mm-hmm. of like i'm a warrior i don't want to get weak and frail that's for not warrior men yeah, I strong big Tough. I strong man. I die in strong Muscle. man way. Ah. Like yes, strong. Like I don't want to. I don't want to get weak. Like I'm surprised that Rogar didn't say like I don't want to be lying in bed like a woman. You know, right? But, but like that's the undertone here of like big strong warrior men cannot be perceived as weak even in death. And mm-hmm. the, and like there's just like I just wanted to point out like that there's definitely some like toxic masculinity and ableism involved in the way that Rogar like there's dignity and and like I believe that people should be able to die however they want but also like this particular Mm -hmm. choice is colored by a particular lens this is why the patriarchy is bad for everyone Mm -hmm. it's also bad for men Rogar Baratheon could have spent it took about half a year for them to do the third Dornish War and then he dies about six months after returning home so he lives for like another year after he goes to court Mm -hmm. He could have spent that whole year at home with his family, yeah. like having like family time and spending like his last year alive with them. Yeah. Instead, he spent half of it away killing the vulture king, you know, uh-huh. which is like cool for him if that's what he wanted to do. But he did it because he felt compelled to by the patriarchy, not, you know, I mean, I think there's also because his brother was involved, he felt a little responsibility as mm-hmm. well. But the fact that he felt that he himself had to go as opposed to like sending people to do right. it. You know, like, he could have sent his men mm-hmm. to take care of this. He didn't have to go himself. Right. But it's absolutely, like, a machismo thing. Yes. Yeah. And so. even, yes. And that plays into why he's, like, I got a bunch of girls and I don't know what to do with them. Can you, like, can, Alisanne, can you yeah. can you take my daughter and my nieces off my hands? Because, like, I'm I'm just an old warrior man. What do I know how to how to raise a seven-year-old girl? Yeah, he comes. He's like, Alisanne, can you take these girls? Also, Jaharis, I have the coolest road trip planned, dude. Listen. <laughs> I need you to get on that dragon. <laughs> we are going. We're going to go get that fucking gopher king, man. <laughs> the gopher king. Yes. Um, I did want... To, this is for you, Caroline. Where I added this note oh, that it gosh. says, Jaharis did end up training to fight a Baratheon after all. He did. Because <laughs> that was all you. You were the one who came yes. up with the idea that like, that's what he's doing on Dragonstone. He's training to fight oh. Rogar. Yeah, he fight Rogar, he but he fought Boris. But he fought Boris, and he won, and he almost cut his head off. Good for mm-hmm. him, uh, allegedly. Yes, that's what we're his told. His sword is—I uh, mean, if he didn't have a Valyrian steel sword, I would say it was made up. But like, he's got a Valyrian steel sword, and the, the yeah. text has established that they are very sharp. Yes, exactly. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit during our recap, but like the the fact that like the men are allowed to be like 
tough and and, and the fact that Jaharis says somewhere in the text that like he he the Dornish the third Dornish war helped him yeah like deal with the death of Daenerys and deal with like the, the sh- how the shivers had ravaged his lands because he felt like he could do something mm-hmm. and it's like okay first of all toxic masculinity out the wazoo uh-huh. second of all Jaharis honey you could have done something about the shivers yeah. uh-huh. There were many things you could have done about the shivers. No, no, Caroline. <laughs> Against the shivers, I was helpless. Jaharis confessed to Septon Barth. Against the vulture, I was a king again. Jaharis, violence is not the answer. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know how to tell you this. It really... I mean, I guess you kind of had to go kill the vulture king because he was, like, doing bad stuff again. Uh-huh. Uh, which, like, okay, fair enough. But, like... Just because you can be violent and, like, that's one way to handle things doesn't mean you, there's no way to handle a disease spreading in your kingdom. <laughs> but he can't hit to, like, it with a sword. He couldn't hit it with his sword. I forgot. <laughs> oh. Forgot. Damn it. Can't fucking, can't hit the shivers with your sword. Ah, oh, that sucks. Yeah. And that means he can clearly oh. do nothing. There, there was nothing there to was be nothing done. There was nothing to be done. Because he could not, just... he could not stab it. He he got a lot of cats to hunt the rats because mm-hmm. that's that helped. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations. <laughs> he paid people for rats. It's like, why don't you pay people to stay home? Yeah. You U.S. government. <laughs> <laughs> but we paid for you to buy five COVID tests. That should be enough uh, for you. Oh my god. Uh, I can't. I can't anyway, uh, anyway, yeah. I still have ongoing anger at the way that. The, pandemic has been handled oh yeah no it's dead it's awful anyway uh the sexualization of literal children what is is there a problem with that oh my god oh my god you don't like those sexy sexy kids oh i can't handle it ah oh my god so like we talked about Eamon as the boy as tall as handsome as he was modest the seven-year-old let's remember folks Mm -hmm. this is a seven-year-old also seven years old, um, mm-hmm. uh, Jocelyn, Jocelyn, the small, frail babe who had come into the world during the terrible year of the stranger, had grown into a tall young girl of solemn mien with large dark eyes and hair as black as sin. Why are you describing the child, the literal child, as having hair as black as sin? Because she's, because she's dark and sexy, Gretchen. She's a dark, sexy child. <laughs> But they sat next to each other at a feast and they flirted with each other, Gretchen, because oh they were God. both in first grade. They were like, have you learned your letters yet? <laughs> that is the part where I lost my mind. Like, I lost my <laughs> shit reading that. They're like, we put them next to each other and they call them, they call them young people because they're, the, you know, they have to treat them like they're older. Um, it says, so this is after the Dornish War, the quote unquote Dornish War. They have a feast. Mm-hmm. Um, after Aemon is declared Prince of Dragonstone, again, seven years old. He is seven years old, Prince of Dragonstone. Because, Gretchen, we have a fucking motif, okay? Seven. seven. We have to do seven Everything happens at seven. It's the magic number. <laughs> so it says, the queen exactly. sat Lady Jocelyn next to him, and the two young people were observed talking and laughing together through the evening to the exclusion of all others. I'm like, they are seven-year-old children. They are talking about Roblox and Minecraft. They are there. This is all that's happening. Right. They're also the two kids that are the same age and you put them next to each other. Mm-hmm. Did you not think that yep. they might become friends? Right. And like, 
I just, I hate that the implication is that these are like adult people flirting with each other. And I'm like, these are seven year old, one of them is eight and the other one is seven. These are children. Mm-hmm. But Gretchen, her hair is black as sin. <laughs> oh, I want to make it clear that I'm laughing because I'm uncomfortable. Yeah, not because I, I find it actually so funny. I'm <laughs> so uncomfortable reading this section. I'm like, you are uh. sexualizing literal children. And I think the reason the Maester's doing this is because obviously he knows that those, you know, spoilers, the two of them get married. Mm-hmm. Um, and the Maester knows that. So he's backstorying this and being like, oh, you know, it was like, it was love at first sight. It's like such a romance kind of right. thing. You know, we're just like, all right, fine. Right. But also uh, we will, we will, spoiler, we will see this later when, when like the Targaryens are like, oh, these two siblings hang out with each other and have fun. We should definitely make them fuck. Mm-hmm. like no all the time that's what they do th- yeah so they're like yeah oh these two siblings are close to each other well i mean they should just get married you know you and i were close when we were kids that meant that we should get married so these and it worked out great so these two yeah. children that enjoy each other's company should like definitely get married and this is definitely mm-hmm. sexual that's what's happening here i just like it <sighs> and like even if they wanted to do that about the the banquet which like Still very gross because they're literal kids just hanging out. Mm-hmm. Um, I sure did not end up marrying a child friend that I had. Um, even if they did that. What? But wait a minute. But Avatar Less Airbender taught me that you you marry your first crush that you get when you're 12. What? Oh, I don't understand. Yeah. Um, <laughs> it's the fact that they're they're describing them in sex in like ways that you would describe an adult. That's yeah. the other part that like that's. I mean, it's weird that they're like the kids are flirting at the banquet when they're children. What's weirder, mm-hmm. what's more uncomfortable to me is the way that they're talking about these children in ways that you should not be describing anyone like, I think, under the age of like 18 years old. Mm-hmm. If you're an old man yeah. writing a history book, you should not be describing a seven-year-old as having hair as black as sin or a seven-year-old boy as being tall and handsome. He's a kid. Mm-hmm. Also, how He's tall is this seven-year-old? The maester's telling on himself. He's like, mm, look at these sexy Ooh, children. Sexy kids. Ugh. Ugh. Um, uh. And it just... On a better... Yep. Oh, yeah, go ahead. I was, I was going to move on, but what were you going to yeah, say? Yeah, I was just going to say that, like, this points to a thing about how the royal family is allowed to be objectified. And, like, mm-hmm. in ways that we don't... It very well could be happening elsewhere. Um, we just don't see it. But at the very least, we are seeing it here that, like, in the way that often happens even with celebrity in our culture, like, Mm -hmm. being a public figure means that people sexualize you. Yeah. Um, No matter how old you are. Like, this Mm -hmm. is not all that different from when you have, like, a child actor that becomes a sex object and you're like that's that's a child though like that like that's a 12 year old girl or that's a 10 year old boy mm-hmm. or like that's gross um i remember that when when the harry potter movies were in their heyday yep. uh because i'm i'm almost the same age as emma watson mm-hmm. um and i remember when like when she was like 13 yep. like starting to be sexualized mm-hmm. and i think i was i was about approximately the same age at the time and i was like what the fuck yep <laughs> like this is i like they didn't and i think girls are more prone yeah. to that like people are more prone to do that with girls because of pedophilia mm-hmm. um because the and rupert grint and daniel radcliffe have given interviews where they talked about 
the fact that like they were aware that Emma was being sexualized in ways that they were not and kind of like dealing with that on set and sort of talking about it and how they got through it and stuff like that but like how she was treated very differently in the media and she was mm-hmm. you know and it's gross don't do it yeah it's really gross don't this is one of those it. things where like if you're reading this and you feel uncomfortable a good you should b mm-hmm. martin is doing a thing that our society does and it should make us look at our own society and be like hey maybe oh. we should also not be sexualizing children just because they're public figures Mm, maybe it's like me things in media affect the way we live our lives and make us think about ourselves maybe it's social uh. commentary Maybe it's ah, oh, maybe it's social commentary. <laughs> <laughs> maybe we should think about our point of view. Mm. <laughs> anyway, on a lighter note, Jaharis is building roads. Sure is Woo! building roads, and there's there's nothing behind this. This is just he just really wants to improve the infrastructure of of the seven kingdoms. Listen, if you. If I've learned anything from playing decades of civilization, it's that when you build roads between your cities, your movement speed is cut in half and you you go twice as fast as normal. So it's really good to move units around on roads. So that's all he's doing is he's just trying to make your ability to yeah, move units this is, faster. Yeah, this is not that's about how, how much this functions to consolidate and centralize power in a specific location because precisely because it's so much easier to get from your central location to all of the other outlying places where you might he want to make sure just, that you could you know have he just wants stuff. people to be able to travel where they want you know if you're in the reach and you want to have your bachelorette party in king's landing you should be able to get there easier you know this it's simple he's it's a, this is not about power at all what are you talking about gretchen <clears throat> what is <laughs> everyone what knows surprises? that the romans only built road built roads for trade yeah obviously what surprises me honestly is like because we do know about in the song of fire proper the um the dragon roads in essos Mm -hmm. that the dragons were used to like forge roads like huge roads uh that still exist in in essos so we're talking hundreds of years later with no maintenance they've maintained Mm -hmm. um i'm surprised that jaharis and alisand didn't use the dragons to do it because they just they have um i mean they're built normally a lot of them are finished during their reign but some of them have to be finished during the next king's reign because they're so they're so long and big and all all this and it's like i feel like you could have just like you know done a little uh yip yip there and gone and made them much faster Uh i wonder if they if they know how yeah i wonder if that's been lost that well i always imagine the dragon roads it's not really described i always imagine the dragon roads in essos to be just melted stone because we know dragon fire can melt stone heron hall so for example right so it's like if you had people like lay out more or less gravel i suppose and then you just kind of go with vermithor and like you know mm-hmm. the whole thing and then da-da, you have a road as opposed to like laying brick right which would take for, and they don't have do they have cement that's a great question i don't the romans had cement i don't know that we have been given any clues that they have cement yeah i don't know that they uh-huh. do because if they don't have cement or asphalt, then these are like brick roads. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Or co- yeah, cobblestone in some way. Cobblestone, brick, flagstone. Yep. Uh, like the large, you could do large flat flagstone. Right. Make it a little bit faster. But I mean, we're talking like a lot of work mm-hmm. to get this done. Right. You know? And you're right that if 
they had thought of it, they could have just like been like, hey, folks, just like scatter some rock along the ground and we'll just, you know, zoomy. Mm. go zoomies. We'll just go zoomies on our dragon. And, we'll like, go some, let, 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 and do some zoomies. <laughs> <laughs> like it would still require some work, but I think it would have been faster. But uh, alas, you know, Jaharis does his project how he wants. Yep. And he makes, Gretchen, he makes Seven Kingdoms he one. Makes, yeah, yep. We all know that the Seven Kingdoms extend from Storm's End to the Wall. That That is the extent of the Seven Kingdoms. Storm's End to the Wall. Yeah. There's nothing south of that. Where? Why would you want to go south of that? It's all fucking sand down there. Mm-hmm. Why would you want to be? That's that's too hot. It's too spicy in that area. Yeah. We don't want to go there. Um, and of course, this is all made possible because of Florence Fossaway. Mm-hmm. Because the text is like... Man, building roads costs a lot of money, and it sure is great that the Master of Coin has a smart wife to make sure that we have money. And I'm like, oh, so these are Florence's roads. Florence made these roads possible. Cool. Cool, cool. Yep, she did. All that cow and apples. Man, I would love a miniseries about her. Oh, my God, yeah. Yeah. Ah. You know what would make a great series? Like a 10-episode series of where each episode is about a different, like, side character woman in Westeros? Like a Lady Lucinda episode, Florence Fossaway. There's some Black Alley later on. Mm-hmm. Uh, like there's so many. Jonquil Dark. Mm, oh. Just like just that person's life for like 60 minutes. Yep. yep. You know, that would be super we cool. Could, um, I mean, I would love the wildling girl that fights Jonquil Dark. Or we could just do, do a Jonquil Dark episode yeah. and make sure that we spend some time with like. Yeah. The, the quote unquote wildling girl. Yeah. Okay. The wildling girl who definitely isn't anyone else. Definitely Dev- is not the bastard just... child of. Of some lord nope. anywhere. Nope, definitely not. not. That's definitely just a wilding girl. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> She's fine. Um, yeah. Ugh. I just wanted to, Come a side HBO. note, if anyone has, I, are you familiar with the with the Baru Cormorant books? The Trader Baru Cormorant? The... I don't think oh, so. Man. No, I have not. Oh, these books are so good. Um, very oh, yeah. anti-imperial, um, very queer. Um, oh, yeah. Well, they're like it. big fat books. Um, mm-hmm. But um, one of the things I love about the, about the way that the world building in this series is that um, math is considered like a like a woman's thing. Ooh. Unlike our society, it's like wasn't that true in like Greece or something where like women handled the money or was it Rome? Yeah, they're like this has been true in yeah. other societies that like they considered that like like women were just as I think if you took overall historically, women are probably just as likely to do the counting the accounting mm-hmm. as men. Um, mm-hmm. even in like Victorian society, a lot of like the house accounts were done by women because they were managing households. So like they needed to yeah. know how much money was needed to like pay the cook and buy groceries. Yeah. And like, so this idea that like women can't do math is very dumb. Um, mm-hmm. very patriarchal, very sexist. But one of the things I'll just plug, um, about the Brew Cormorant books is that it's, it's made into kind of a societal mythos that like mm-hmm. math is a woman's sport if you want to call it that, that, mm-hmm. like, it's, like, soft and, you know, it's the thing that women do, that, like, women happen mm-hmm. to be especially good at. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and, of course, the main character is a, is a queer woman who um, uses logistics and math mm-hmm. to, like, solve war problems. So if you have ever wanted to see if you have ever wanted a book where the character looks at battles and goes, I could solve this with supply lines. <laughs> ah. I highly recommend reading the Brew Cormorant <laughs> books by Seth Dickinson. Um that's interesting. very, very good. good. I'm done with my 
I'm I'm close to finishing. I'm halfway through a Dance with Dragons now. Oh uh, wow! Yeah, so I'm when I'm done. Close. Well, because I had I had this goal to read like all the Martin books. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I'll start with the Song of Ice and Fire, the one I've read already. So after this, it'll be Dunkin' Egg, I think, and then maybe a World of Ice and Fire. Ooh, there's some really but, interesting female mm-hmm. characters in the Dunkin' Egg books. Yeah, they're so fun. I haven't read those in a long time. Um. um anyway, uh, who gets shafted? Yeah. We've we've talked about Florence Fossaway. Definitely gets drafted. Our girl, love Cannot her. Cannot hire the lady. Yeah. Um. Um. The rest of Westeros, the two didn't get the kind of healthcare Daenerys yep. got. Yep. <laughs> and all of Dorne for being brought to a petty fight between brothers. <laughs> We're gonna call this the Third Dornish War when it's just like bros fighting each other. <laughs> Leave Dorne out of this. Yeah, they didn't do anything. Poor the Prince of Dorne is just like, yo, peace. I'm not doing this. Yeah, the Maester even says, like, Dorne is not really involved. Mm-hmm. Like, people call this Lord Rogar's War, and that's probably a better name for it. Like, I, I do, mm-hmm. in a very petty way, or it, or in the ironic way, enjoy that the Maester's mm-hmm. like, I mean, people call it the Third Dornish War, and that's kind of a misnomer because Dorne's not involved, and, like, some of the small mm-hmm. folk call it Lord Rogar's War, which is probably more accurate because this is literally just Lord Rogar going to fight his brother, but I'm going to keep calling it the Third Dornish War, so, like, whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Hashtag history. <laughs> this whole book for him is hashtag history. Hashtag history. I'm going to tell you all of the ways in which it shouldn't be called this and then call it that anyway. I'm going to rewrite the story that I told you just a few hundred pages ago. Mm-hmm. We're going to pretend it's something else. Yep. Hashtag history. Hashtag history. <laughs> oh, man. Um, all right. In terms of themes and symbolism. Um, we talked a little bit about is it magic or did we trick you? Yeah. Yeah. I like what you have here. What you believe matters more than reality. Yeah. That's um, a big Martin thing. Yeah. I mean, that that's very heavy in what a point of view is. Right. Yep. Right. Like the whole point of a point of view is that everyone's unreliable because like so much of what is really happening is affected by your lens. Right. Right. And this is a huge part of why Alice, why Alison and Jaharis have such a strong visceral reaction to Daenerys's death is because like mm-hmm. they believed that they were exceptional. And so when their child mm-hmm. dies, it's like there is more angst for them than someone else who Mm-hmm. didn't have a belief that their child would not die from a communicable disease. Mm-hmm. So, right. like, their exactly. their belief in their own exceptionalism matters more, like, is more important for their personal experience than the reality that, like, they're not exceptional. And that's such a huge mm-hmm. part of, of Martin's whole storytelling is, like, mm-hmm. we, we, the audience, can all know kind of what's, quote-unquote, real, like, what's actually happening. Mm-hmm. We can know the facts, but, like... What matters to these characters is is not the facts, but what they believe to be true. And that influences their mm-hmm. decisions. Uh, and I mean, I think that's part of... That's such an important theme for a reader. Mm-hmm. You know, to, to grapple with the fact that that's true in real life. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, like, so much of what we... So much of what is real is what we think is true. I mean, like, we were talking last time about what is gender. Um, and you and I question a lot what is gender. Mm-hmm. And... I mean, at its core, gender is a construct. It's what you want it to yeah. be. It's what you believe it to be. It's how you experience it as an individual. And that's, you know, that's scary that there's, like, perhaps no... Perhaps there is no real answer to yeah. that. 
and there and there are plenty of things like that and then there are some things that are factual uh but what it's it's such an important theme and it's such a major theme in his work and i think that's why the pov thing works so well and why the pov of this maester works so well for this text right yes yeah Yeah, because the way that this history this quote you know that this history book is being told influences what people believe to be true about these historical figures and that then influences laws that are made and decisions that are made and Mm -hmm. you know like if for example just you know hypothetically speaking you believe that women were inferior Mm -hmm. um whether or not they were you would not want them in charge right you'd want to hire their really stupid husbands just so that you that the woman comes along because you can't hire the woman yeah yeah it's weird for you to suggest that someone would think women are inferior. I don't know where you're getting that from this text. Uh, that's that's very strange. So let's look at this thing you said earlier about them being racist toward the Dornish. I don't know where to, I'm going to need some evidence on that one. I need some citations. <laughs> oh, man. All right. I think we pretty thoroughly analyzed this yep. one. Where are we reading to next time? Um, so we stopped on page 295. Um Ending with um, the plinth of Old King's Monument that stands at the Citadel of Old Town about the, the you know, King Jaehaerys definitely united the Seven Kingdoms. Um, he did. No one else. So helped. beginning with the next full paragraph on 295, we will be reading through um, page 305. It's the second full paragraph, even though it's only three lines, where it says the gods may not be done with us. We're going to end there. Yeah. Um, I wonder if Allison will have a lot more kids. Um, <laughs> fuck Jaharis. <laughs> anyway. No, don't fuck Jaharis. Stop yes, fucking Jaharis. Oh, yes, 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 actually, stop. Don't fuck Jaharis. Please don't. Oh, my God. Uh, before we sign off, um, a, a couple of things. First of all, if you want to uh, email us with questions. We have gotten some questions, by the way. I don't know if you saw. I've, I've been going back and forth with a couple people. Nice. Um, some really interesting stuff. Uh, so by all means, questions, comments, anything like that, like, we're getting better at answering. Uh-huh. I still have a few really old emails to answer. I, I'm, I'm gonna, one of these days, I'm gonna have the spoons to do it. Um, uh, so if you want to email us, our email is houseoffireandbloodpodcast at gmail.com. We are on Instagram as, as House of Fire and Blood Podcast as well. Um, and before we sign off, Gretchen, for a few episodes, we had been doing this thing where we, uh, highlighted listeners around the world and then we forgot to keep doing it um so i'm gonna pick one today which is uh i'm gonna pick this i'm gonna pick something in the united states so we have a whole cluster of listeners in the san francisco area Mm. there's like a bunch out there like right around like the middle of california so shout out to california listeners particularly those around um san francisco Shout out our bay area friends uh, that born and raised yeah. i was i don't know if you know caroline i was born and raised in san jose so i'm from south bay oh really yeah oh i didn't know that oh that's mm-hmm. awesome nice i went out i've only been to california once like briefly i went to la for a, like a law school competition ah, uh, oh the area is very different do not do not confuse yeah. southern california no, i don't I'm, I'm not saying i know any i'm just saying my one experience it was lovely in la i had a good time but it was, it, that was my only experience. I would like to go out there more. It's, it seems like a really cool place. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, shout out to California. Thanks for listening to us. And uh, I hope you enjoy our rambles. It seems like you do because the internet says that you're downloading us yeah. repeatedly, which like, God bless. Um, 
So, yeah, I just wanted to, to shout out those people. So, right. to sign off. Until next time, remember, uh, you don't have to pay a woman a living wage if you hire her husband and have her do all the work behind the scenes. <laughs> Absolutely. That's, that's the cornerstone of capitalism. I don't think... I, I don't see the problem with that at all. <laughs> and uh, until next time, if you want to really insult somebody, call them a gopher. That's the best insult you could come up with. Yep. Yep. What a what a gopher. What a gopher. I actually think I might start using that because I I really enjoy insults that are really absurd. Um, like yeah. I had a I had a coworker once who called people a potato. If they were being like um, absurd or ridiculous, she'd be like, "Oh, I, what a potato!" Like I don't I know do why really... it works, but it does. So like, yeah, I'm I'm down for like, "Oh, what a gopher!" What a gopher! What does that mean? I don't know, but it sounds like oh. it makes sense. I do regularly call one of our judges a pile of play doh. <laughs> so <laughs> it's not my fault. It was he looks like a pile of play doh. He's got play doh in his brains. I don't know what to do with him. Uh, <laughs> Anyway, thank you guys for joining us, and we will talk to you next time. Bye, everyone. Bye. We are recording recording. the podcast. We've been talking for half an hour, and we're going to start recording it now. Okay, you did so, really good. Yeah. Um, so I have to tell you, I um I've lived in this apartment for a year and I and I still hadn't finished setting everything up. So earlier this week I wanted to set up my gaming desktop. Um mm-hmm. Ooh. Oh yeah, years ago I built myself a, a, a gaming desktop. Um because I wanted to. Um and it was the best mm-hmm. way to get everything I wanted for like the least amount of money. Um, Because it was, like, less than $1,000 to build myself my own gaming desktop. And, like, a nice gaming desktop that had a bunch of shit that I didn't use would have been more than, you know, like, Mm -hmm. anything. If Anyway, if I wanted everything that I I got out of my gaming desktop, I would have had to spend more than that. And it would have come with things I didn't need. Um, Mm -hmm. So I built my own. um, And I was like, oh, I should set it up. So that I could just use the monitor on my desk because I have a second monitor that I use when I work because I, mm-hmm. I I like having... Oh, uh, you're a two-screen kind of person? Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. I, I haven't... Have, like... I haven't... Go ahead. I haven't gotten into the two-screen life yet, but I think I'm about to at work. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to get there. Once you get two, you're like, I could just... I could do a third, right? <laughs> oh, wow. Like, <laughs> I wish I had four screens. Um, Seriously, mm. some days I wish I had four screens. But I have two. So I was like, oh, I'll just, you know, put my tower underneath my desk and set it up. So all I have to do is, like, ch- change the HDMI cable, and it'll go mm. between my laptop for work and my gaming desktop for gaming. And... Mm. I had it all set up, like, after my move, I had to go in and tinker because, like, the fan had fallen off and I had to, add, you know, reattach the fan. Anyway, like, I get it all set up and I try my cable and, like, it says it's not connected. And I was like, I know this mm-hmm. is the HDMI cable that I used yeah. the last time I had my, my gaming desktop. But it's a different monitor. Like, okay, so I took 45 minutes. I troubleshooted. I tried, like, three different cables. I had... I have a I have a third monitor that doesn't work with my laptop because my laptop can only support one external monitor. So like I pulled that out of its box mm-hmm. and was like maybe it's the monitor because I have a different monitor. And I like 
looked online and was like, I checked the power. Everything is functioning. What the fuck? Like, mm-hmm. why is this not the problem? I tell my girlfriend and I'm like, oh my God, I cannot get this fixed. And I'm so frustrated. And then, and then oh, no. I realized I was plugging it into the wrong port. <laughs> I have two HDMI ports on the back of my computer. One of them is like on the like main tower part. And one uh-huh. of them is feeds directly into the video card. So I had been plugging oh. it into the one that's on the tower part right next to all the USB ports. Right. But it, I did, like, as soon as I noticed it, I was like, the fuck, Gretchen? I'm like, <laughs> goddamn idiot. Of course you need to plug it into the video, into the video card. Otherwise, of course it's not going to work. And then I plugged it in and it was, and it worked. And I was like, yes, I, big brain Gretchen just cannot plug things into the right port. Holy fuck. What is wrong with me? You're like that meme of the brain that gets more intense as it goes down, you know, like plug in the, I'll use the same HDMI thing I use for work. It doesn't work. Gotta look it up online. Try a different cord. Try a different monitor. Plug it into the right port. Yep. Yep. The answer was I was plugging it into the wrong port all along. I could have fixed this in like less than a minute if I had just noticed. But don't you feel better that you worked for it? Does it does, is there is there any kind of like there's so there must be some kind of like solace in the fact that you you earned being able to use that? I mean maybe mostly up. I'm just like wow Gretchen. <laughs> well, what did you play once you got it to work? Um, I I admittedly I was by the time I was done working with all of that it, I had done it after like a work day I was like oh god I probably have updates I'm too tired. So oh, <laughs> I will, I'm gonna game this afternoon. Um, probably. I mean, I've been wanting to play. Um, it's a version of the Caesar games. If you're familiar with Caesar, the Caesar games. I haven't played them, but I, you've mentioned them before. Yeah, they're like city building. Yeah. Um, yes. Yeah, I, I know which ones you're talking about. Yeah, I, I know but I'm gonna play the Egypt one. I've been wanting to play Pharaoh for a while. Um, you gotta play RimWorld, man. You gotta play RimWorld. Okay. <laughs> Please. Someone else besides me has to play RimWorld. <laughs> I'll see if I'll see what it costs on Steam or I would it has a lot of um expansions at this point, but it's like really it's like a really complicated game. But that's the fun part, is it's super, super detailed. And if you like kind of that city builder thing, I think you would like RimWorld. I would I recommend just buying the vanilla and like running a file and seeing if you like the base game. Because the base game already has a lot of stuff in it. And if you download with all the expansions, in my opinion, it's overwhelming. Okay. So, like, what I did was I got the vanilla. I played a file in vanilla. Then I got one expansion. I played the file with that. And then I got the next expansion. Like, I slowly built up. Just because there's so much to do. Uh Uh-huh. But it's so... Like, I literally have, like... Hold on. I'm going to tell you how many hours I have in RimWorld. This is really, really cutting edge, really important stuff. Uh, (laughs) Welcome to the... Welcome to the RimWorld uh, (laughs) podcast. Um, how do I view? I have nine hundred and seventy-four hours on RimWorld. That's a lot of hours. Gretchen, I've only played three files. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. I've only played three. File. Yes. Fantastic. <laughs> and I'm not even done with my most recent one. <laughs> wow. Strong recommend. I'm a big RimWorld pusher. I'm trying to get everyone to play this game. All right. Well, yeah, I will see if I what if I can get it on Steam. Um, it is. It's a, it's a Steam game. Okay, yeah. great. 
it's yeah it's a it's it's and it'll run on any computer it's like it's 2d so yeah okay anyway anyway what about this uh fucking book that yeah, we're reading <laughs> yeah, this book let's let's talk about um, uh, all of the kids that jaharis and alisan have oh jeez. all right i did the intro for this one right yes uh bu- bu- bu. alisan needs to stop having children he needs to get the fuck off her anyway all right all right ready uh-huh uh 